Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, I mean, at least it wasn't completely defeated this week. I was, I was on the verge of, I mean, up until about like five minutes in last night, I was on the verge of titling this episode today. Um, we're going streaking again, but with like the with the like lowercase uppercase lowercase like like the, <laughs> like the bizarro version of it. Um, how you doing? <laughs> you know, all things considered, pretty good. Uh, it's a it's Wednesday the ninth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. yeah. So Wang Wednesday had wings with a buddy. Shout out Crack. It's his birthday tomorrow. So it was really nice to uh, get to see him. And yeah, man, um, Oilers won yesterday. So that makes life a little bit better. I'm also the one who said they were going to go three and one. So I feel uh, like a bit of a, like a bit of a papoose. A bit of a papoose? A papoose. A bit of a, 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 a is that that's is that that skunk's cousin? <laughs> it's an inside joke. It's an inside joke. Um, you guys wouldn't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys just wouldn't get it. Um, Miles, should we uh quickly talk lib? Man, I don't know if it's worth talking about lib because we have like some thoughts about Love Is Blind, and we haven't seen the last episode yet. I've watched like a third of it. If you say anything, I'll kill you. <laughs> I will get in my. I will get in my vehicle. I will drive to Ontario and I will murder you in cold blood. And the um, judge will be. And the judge will be like, "Yeah, I get it. He spoiled Love Is Blind season three finale for him. That's he walks. He goes." Should we? Should we at least just talk Raven and SK and get that out of the way? And no, just quickly, no, no, no. Let's save it all because I think okay. that I, I don't. I know myself, and I'm not going to be able to start talking. Love is blind without bringing in some of the other couples. Okay, that's fine. I'm, we'll I love on. it though. This season's gr- like it's juicy, really good. Hey? It's really They're good. Back. They're I, so and bad. apparently the fucking reunion is awesome. Oh, dude, the shade on TikTok that Raven especially has been shooting or shooting at people has been incredible. Did uh um, did you know that they filmed the, that they filmed the season like last year? Or yeah, like two years ago or something like that. And like, this was so, the COVID delayed season, wasn't yeah, it? I, yeah, I well, it was one of them. Yeah, because they because they did season two and season three back to back. So That's I bet nuts. you season four's in the chamber and they're just fucking ready to shove it in her face <laughs> and pull the trigger. Shoot the kill! Wait a thrill! Speaking of a thrill, Nolan, what a week it has been. A lot of oh, ups and downs. Was it a thrill? Right. I don't know if it was. <laughs> it's a thrill depending on who you ask. Getting my heart rate up, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> oh, who did the jam? You've got the Oilers! Would you mind if I run you through the agenda for today's episode? Please do. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the games from last week against the New Jersey Devils. About the Dallas Stars, Dallas Stars, the Washington Capitals. I don't know if they really have an accent in Washington. But uh, if you want to go by like, if you want to go by like Maryland, you could go by, uh, uh, you could go by like the show We Own the City, where John Bernthal has like a has a Baltimore accent, and he's like, "Oh shit, I didn't realize I was working with fucking Supercop here." 
So uh, that sounds southern to me. That might be your stars it's, fan it's, coming out. It's no, it's a weird like Baltimore is a very weird like concoction of like Pennsylvania, also I, mixed with like a little bit of South Carolina. I think I heard there was a TikTok or you had to say like her 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 her. I don't know. It's three words. I'll find it. I'll link it. You'll get it. Maybe. Sure. But it's Baltimore player Aaron earned earn something is what it was. But just the way that the Baltimore accent is. is oh, like, I have earn, seen that video. Earn, earn, earn. I've yeah, I've, I've I've definitely seen that video because isn't it like a football team that doesn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, the yeah. Ter- terpenes, Maryland yeah. terpenes. Yeah. Anywho, so we're gonna be recapping that game against the Caps. Then we're gonna move into last night's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay. Talk a little bit of Oilers shit because there is some some big pieces to be chatting about after last night's game. Big additions, uh, larger subtractions. We'll move into some NHL shit, and there has been some stuff oh, going yeah, on. There has been. But we'll be getting into been, the the weeds. Been a little there. bit of things. <laughs> after that, we'll move into Miles's rock star of the week, which I did not include in the notes because I'm going to be trying something different this week. Yep. Boy, off, we'll off go the over dome? next week's agenda off the dome, and oh. we'll get you out of here uh, wrapped up with hopefully a good, fun, quick little episode that you can uh, take with you in your pocket wherever you go. Oh, thank you, bruv. Yes, mate. Nolan. Yes. This one I have titled Shout at the Devils, November 3rd, 4 3 loss against the New Jersey Devils. This one was a while ago. Do you recall? I do recall it because I re- I originally titled it. Can we start on time, please? Like literally, please. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who do not remember, this was the game where the Oilers inducted Lee Foglin and Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith into the, ri- into the Ring of Honor. Uh, this was a pre-recorded ceremony, but was played at the time the game was supposed to start. And took, I'm not exaggerating, a thousand years to play. Very bad move by the NHL, the Oilers, and whichever TV broadcaster was involved. Because it was, sorry, bit of a snooze fest. Am I incorrect in saying that? It was a snooze fest. And you may have just said this, and I just went to go grab a glass, or just went to go grab a sip of water. Um, Did you know that it was actually recorded? It was actually done like an hour before the game. (laughs) I did. And And they still made us wait that long? That's brutal. The the NHL does this fascinatingly infuriating, fascinatingly, fascinatingly infuriating thing where they like will say a game starts at seven oh five and it'll start at seven twelve. Oh, it's but the worst. Every other professional league will start on time when it's supposed to. As somebody that lives on the on the east side of the country, I don't want to say on the east coast because that makes me sound like I'm from Newfoundland. But as somebody that lives on the east side of the country. Waiting until a 1030 start time for Oilers Sharks and then to be found and then to be told that, oh, it's like Logan Couture's thousandth game. So I have to watch the stick presentation, which brings us to 1052 p.m. by the time we have actual puck drop because Logan Randy Couture needs to get up on the microphone and say thank you to my fucking beauty teammates and I'm so sick. Thanks for a thousand games. Go Sharks. Chomp, chomp. And it's incredibly frustrating because it just makes me not want to stay up and watch the game. But the masochist I am, I end up staying up until 2 a.m. And then having to get up at like five in the morning the next day. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just committed to the con. Okay. (laughs) 
Um, fun fact, Nolan. I didn't know who Lee Foglin was before this. He, oh. he, he... Guess what, oh. Miles? <laughs> Neither did I. Oh, wow. Um, was he like a captain from the WHA days? Was he an NHL captain? Like, watch. We're gonna find out. He played. He was like on like Gretzky's wing or something. Yeah, fake Hold ass on. fans. We uh, were born in the '90s, people. He uh he won the cup in '84 and '85 with the Oilers. Um, oh. he played. Cheers. He only played like. Oh, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he played for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight seasons with the Oilers. I don't know. Do we really need to induct somebody for eight seasons into the Oil- or into the ring of or the Hall of Fame? I don't know if we do or not. I feel like I mean, this, if he this won, is if, if he won two cups and played eight years, like give give the boy his credit. Yeah, that's fair. That's but fair. But don't make me don't make me wait for Oilers Devils on a Thursday night. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's quite like Oilers Devils. You have you uh, you have two of the hottest teams in the league facing off against one another. It's quite possibly the most anticipated game um, of the first quarter of the season, and yet you have um, Lee Foglin coming up being like, "I'd like to thank my teammates," and then you have Ryan Smith being like, "Told Hork I wouldn't cry on this one." I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just like. It's so dumb. Like, just start start the game on time. If you're going to start... You know who has this perfectly, basically? The NFL. The NFL is like 1 p.m. start time. By 1.02, I see the ball in the air for kickoff. Hey, that's what happens when you're dealing with billions, not hundreds of millions. It's a totally oh, different ball game when you're, when you're dealing with... There's a lot more money on the line. But Nolan, yes. despite all of this, Sorry. we have... You know, as we're complaining, we're doing exactly what the NHL does, and we're prolonging the start of the actual podcast. Oh, man. Isn't irony a funny thing? It is, man. If, if it could kill, I would be, like... <laughs> foaming it's um, like raining <laughs> on your wedding day Fuck what, a, what a song hey man alanis oh canadian treasure Absolutely. actually used to be used to be uh engaged to somebody we're gonna be talking about later on in this episode Ooh, i'm excited for that little tidbit yeah, yeah. um Connor McDavid pops things off halfway through the first period on a goal assisted by Nurse and Zyman. They get the ones getting the apples, and it's one nothing Oilers. Talking about an anticipated game, McDavid, anticipated player, showing everybody that he's the boss. Underrated man rocket and overall great guy, Miles Wood, uh, evens things up a few minutes later and makes it 1-1. One, one. Uh, sorry, I mean one for one. <laughs> oh! Uh, Throw it in where you can. Second period starts with things still knotted up until the Carhartt King, Derek Ryan, scores his second, second goal of the year from Dilly Holloway and T. Barry, as we will be referring to him this episode, 2-1 Oilers. Moments later, Leon Dreisaitl finds the back of the net on a power play goal. Assists for this one go to T. Barry and Conlad McDavid. 3-1 Oilers heading into the third period. Shots are tied at 25 apiece. Ooh, ooh, that's some drama. This one, Nolan, shaping up to be a very good game. And like I said, back and forth. It's entertaining as hell. Everybody who paid the price of admission is happy they did. Awesome, awesome. Again, underrated man rocket and overall great guy, Miles Wood, scores his second of the game and gets the Devils back into this one a minute, 14 seconds into the third period off of a face-off goal scorer's goal. 3-2 Oilers. We got this, right? We're feeling good. 
You'd think so. You're feeling good. Yeah. Um, Nolan, I'm going to give you two timestamps and I want you to tell me what happened and how far apart they are. Do you think you can do math for me? Last episode, you were bragging about how good you are at math. Do you want to put it to the test? I'm going to say that's roughly... Because they're, they're 16 minutes and 45 seconds and 16 minutes and 52 seconds. This is me, this is me typing on my calculator. Is that, is that seven seconds? That is seven seconds, Nolan. Seven minutes in heaven, more like seven seconds in hell. Seven as... seconds or less offense. Am I uh, right, Mike D'Antoni? Let's go. Uh, seven seconds is all it took for the Devils to take the lead in this hockey game as Ryan Graves and Jesper Bratt scored their goals, respectively. The Oilers blow that lead and now trail 4-3. to three. That is the way this game would finish. 4-3 Devils on a Thursday night. Oilers outshot 43-37. to 37 despite winning 56% of the faceoffs and out hitting the Devils 27 to 23. Wood took first start of the game with his two goal one assist performance. Zachary Martin Hyman took home second star and Conrad McDavid took home third star. Stuart Skinner who had a good game himself, 39 saves in the contest. Um the second goal and the third goal from the Devils I would say were not very good, but overall he was he was quite solid in the match, so it's one of those where uh, one hand kind of washes the other, and I think overall you got to be happy with his performance. But ultimately, uh, that's that's an L. Oilers lose the game. Um, yeah, that third goal, as Louis DeBrus kept on saying, it was a knuckler. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's disappointing. What fucking R- so Ra Dickey's gonna step on the mound in his Mets <laughs> uniform and just. <laughs> Uh, who's the pitcher from uh, Moneyball? It's not Scott Hatterberg. Um, I can't remember who the hell the guy is again. I'll I'll remember at the moment I look later on. I love that movie, by the way. Moneyball so good. I think I've mentioned that like three times already on this show, on this show. Um, yeah, Stuart Skinner uh, honestly had a had a had a really good game overall. Um, I think just kind of the wheels fell off at the end of the game, but. It also didn't help that the Oilers also let the wheels fall off because they let their foot off the gas. And ultimately, like, the Devils outplayed them for a significant portion of this game, I found at least. Um, they just kept on getting shots on net. They may not have been the they may not have been the high percentage play, but they were dominating possession, it felt like, and the Oilers didn't really have an answer for uh for the speed of the uh, of the New Jersey Devils. Um and and man, the Devils work so well in transition. Like they're just quick, quick passes off the stick, zone entries, like just easy. It's so easy to them. Um, and they're kind of starting to finally come to fruition a little bit. So um, frustrating, but not nearly as bad as the next game. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna leave this one to you since it's your favorite hockey team that you get to talk about. Um. It's not my favorite hockey team, okay? But let's and and I there, that's enough. Um, so by the way, I should mention this to everybody. I'm in the middle of kitchen renovations right now, so I am incredibly busy. I we w- almost weren't even going to record this week because I've I've been up to my eyeballs in uh, uh, drywalling, uh, sanding, uh, uh, priming, painting, all that other bullshit. Uh, so Miles took on the entire load this week and I feel really bad, but I, 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 I appreciate him so much for doing this. So I did watch all of the games, but, uh, the, all of the notes were all courtesy of miles. So thank you. Th- thank you very much. Merles. Um, 
So, as Miles Wright writes here, uh, Nolan's rootin' tootin' cowboys come hey, into hey, Alberta. Hey, 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 hey. What's yes. it called? Oh, it's called Outstarred. Like, funny, right? like, but you, but you should have put two R's, like Rachel Star, like, <laughs> like the actress. Great actress. Actress. Yes, that's she's quite a, uh, she's gracious true, of you to she's, say. She's a true thespian, if you ask me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Nolan's Nolan's rootin' tootin' cowboys come into Alberta for a matinee game, and uh, well, yeah. That, you know this has happened. Hope Pavelski at the ripe age of 94 scores the game's first goal to give the Stars a one nothing lead. Then Colin Miller would make it 2 nothing Stars early in the second, and this is kind of when we knew it was over. Uh, Leon that's that's co- how I felt. Yeah, when, I, Col- I, when I did... Colin Miller scored that goal, I was like, ah, it's fuck it. The Stars always beat us, and you're, now Colin Miller scored. You're like, goals. his name is Colin, and he scored. Like, <laughs> we know this is over. Uh, Leon would uh, Leon would then cut the deficit to one as he scores a power play trademark tuck from McD and Nuge. Jason Robertson then gets it back for the Green Goblins, 3-1 stars. Uh, ben the Large Bitch gets one on the power play, 4-1 stars. By the way, remember remember the scrum where he's like holding Hyman and the scummy smashes his stick out of his hand? This guy sucks. I, I agree with that, Miles. He's, he's kind of... Except he can back it up a little bit because he because he does drop the gloves. But like he's fake. He's like phony tough like Jordan Biddington is. <laughs> but yeah, but he's Biddington like, doesn't stand up for himself. No, because he's a goalie. But goal everybody knows goalies are cowards. I mean, speak for yourself, my guy. <laughs> uh, he is. <laughs> I'm a goalie in ES, EASHL. I'm 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 not a coward. Um. Anyways. Early in the third, Darnell Nurse would get his third of the year from J from oh Miles. <laughs> yes, Harvey. By the way, that was his hundredth point in the NHL. Congratulations, yes, eh? Yes, eh? Yummy, yes, eh? And Evander Kane, we'll get to him. Four two stars, yeehaw, partners. Jamie Ben gets his second of the night, like twenty one seconds after the nurse call. Five two stars. And with seven minutes left in the game, Jamie Ben completes the hat trick. Six two stars. That's the way it would stay. Uh, stars outshot the Oilers thirty six to thirty. Out hit them thirty two to twenty five, and and went even in the face off dot fifty fifty. Ben, Ben Robertson, Ben and Hope Pavelski were your one two three stars. Soup had thirty saves on thirty six shots, point eight three three save percentage, and. Man, this was not a good showing for Jack Campbell. Um, actually, midway through this game, uh, our friend FFK t- uh, texted me just a, f- a five by five. <laughs> Fuck him! He doesn't get to say Flames fans don't get to talk shit about goalie contracts. Yeah, so I mean, like, okay, Markstrom, yeah, looking better. Obviously, it doesn't take twenty twenty vision to see the difference there, but um. Man, man, we'll, we're going to talk about Jack Campbell. This this wasn't a good Jack Campbell game. Jack Campbell is a bit of a streaky goalie, but we we are going to chat about him a little more in depth. But FFK can SMD. Uh, my, that was a good one. I was going to say FFK can F-U-C-K off. Is that what it was going to be? <laughs> um, but, uh, by the way, Miles, did uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on on Jack Campbell uh, grading his performance as pathetic. 
okay, you have to love the accountability that this guy takes and the way that he plays the game from a locker room perspective. Um, not just because of him being a $5 million player, but from what we had before with Mike Smith and the effect that this is going to have on team morale, right? You have essentially a golden retriever in that, the nicest guy in the world who wants nothing more than to be a part of a successful hockey team. So for for him to stand in front of the media and take all of the blame and call him say that his performance was pathetic to take all of that on the chin and wear that sends a really strong message to everybody else in that room that they need to be accountable as well for their own play. So I love it. I love that Jack Campbell does that. I love that he's brave enough to do that. And I really think that that speaks highly of the culture that they're building in that dressing room. I really, really think it does. Yeah, I, I I have seen some Leaf fans that chimed in. Apparently, this is kind of a Jack Campbell staple that I guess got a little old after a while. Was that they were like, oh, he would constantly do the, do the I'm 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 being bad, and people were getting frustrated with it. But um, at the end of the day, if 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 his performance, if his if his following performance is able to uh, back up his words, and he's able to rebound from a stinky performance. I think that's that's perfectly fine, and um, we'll get to his follow-up performance. Anyways, Miles, would you like to take would you like to take the next game? I would love to, Nolan, because after that shitty game against the Stars, uh, the Oilers are all capped out as they head to the Washington Nation's capital, American capital, hot dogs, Jesus, and apple pie on November seventh, a five-four loss. To those capitals the oilers head out on a big eastern conference roadie with the matchup against the capitals with like nine capital regulars on the ir this should be a good one to end the slide charlie lindgren and Stuart skinner battle between the pipes nolan do you remember in the off season there was a former Erie otter former connor mcdavid compadre that mm-hmm. we really wanted the oilers to pursue as a free agent oh connor brown no because he's hurt um <laughs> Who, who else, Nolan? Whomstells? A little guy named Dylan Strom. Well, f- amazing. Funny you should mention him. He, 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 because he scores the lone first period goal. One nothing Capitals. <laughs> that uh, sucks. Miles, we should mention. We'd be remiss to not mention the Warren Fogle play. The turnover? Yes. You take this one. I An egregious one. turnover. <laughs> guy is just trying to exit his zone. Just completely bobbles the puck, turns it over at his own zone, and Dylan Strom just has a wide open path to the net. Extremely sad. Extremely sad stuff from Ward Fogle. You know what, Nolan? I'm I'm thinking that Fogues is gonna figure it out in the next game or two here. A little birdie. A little birdie told me. Is it is it a is it a is it a blue birdie? It uh eight dollars a month and it's blue. What about does it have a does it have a gray badge? <laughs> um, can we talk about shitty Twitter in a minute here? Absolutely, because shitty Twitter has been ex- exceptional the past couple of days. It's been lit, but, litty. Um, any hoosers? Dylan Strom one nothing Capitals. Get ready to hear his name a few times because Dylan Strom scores his second of the night on the power play in the second period. Two nothing Capitals. McDavid, Conrad McDavid in his 500th NHL game scores just an absolute high right highlight real goal to remind everybody that he is in fact 
dangerous, armed and dangerous. Helpers on that goal go to T-Berry and L. Dreisaitl, 2-1 Capitals. The Oilers have life again. Uh, that life, Nolan, was short-lived because the Oilers get themselves into a little bit of penalty trouble and give the Caps an extended five-on-three power play when Yamamoto takes a dumb one when he corkscrews whomsoever it was uh, with Hyman already in the box. So now the Caps uh, get to shred them and because um, Netsov gets his first goal of the season on a beautiful cross-crease pass, 3-1 Capitals. Uh, the Oilers were not done and were not out as Zach Hyman, the man we just mentioned for taking a bad penalty, breaks down the wing with some speed, feeds the puck across the goal mouth to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who bats the puck out of midair over the goalie's pad and underneath of his glove. Uh, 3-2 Capitals. We got a game. We're back. We're so back. This is the second period. Lots of hockey left. One goal deficit. Uh, could, couldn't be bothered. Oilers, Oilers are ready to rock. Uh, we've, we've got a game, right? You'd think so. You would think so. But then Alexander Ovechkin says with a thick Russian accent as he invades the Oilers penalty kill 26 seconds after Nuge scored to make it 4-2 Capitals. And what did he say? He said, uh, no. <laughs> he said, no, I'm, I am Ovechkin. I score goal. I drink pop on bench. So 4-2 Caps going into the third period. Uh, Leon would score his own nifty one from Hyman and Vander Kane to bring the Oilers back to within one. Again, Kuznetsov on the power play restores the two-goal lead with two minutes left to play in the game. Nuge, he's got a little bit of a last-ditch effort, and he scores his second of the night, seventh of the year from Nurse and McDavid, and that is as close as the Oilers would be able to get as the final score in this one finished 5-4. to four. Oilers were outshot 31-29, but the Caps were 4-5 for five on the power play, which really was the tail of the tape this evening. Uh, Kuznetsov had two goals, two assists for your first star. Dylan Strom had two goals and one assist for second star. And Eric Gustafson um, sent 18,573 happy fans home. Stuart Skinner had 36 saves on 31 shots. Hard to steal a game when you're down as much as the Oilers were. I don't think it's very fair to put a loss on a goalie or anything like that when you're giving up five, you know, four power play goals, four on five chances. Mm -hmm. So um, not, not all on Skinny there, but not his best game numbers wise either. Uh, by the way, the Oilers were zero for one on the power play. So, I mean, it's not like these refs didn't know how to blow the whistle. They were clearly able to call penalties, but um, I don't know if Washington played that clean of a game to only have one, but I don't want to sound like the quintessential Oilers fan where all I do is bitch about penalties. We should probably mention the really stupid penalty that Evan Bouchard took at the end of the game. The stupid cross-checking penalty. Um Basically, he was trying to keep the puck in the zone at his own blue line and um, fired a shot on net and then immediately went to like sort of defend himself and immediately throws his stick up in the air and cross-checks. I, I can't remember who, who, who was that he cross-checked, but just a really dumb, careless penalty. And that's kind of been the theme of this early bit of Oilers season is careless penalties. A lot of, uh, there's just no discipline in sight on this team. And furthermore, it does not help that they are hemorrhaging chances on the power play. It's like, it's, it's actually shocking. It's genuinely shocking. And it's gotten to a point now where the talking heads of Oilers media are now doing so this like really fucked up thing where they're saying like, hey, does this team actually miss Mike Smith more than we thought? It's like, not really. 
Um, but anyways, it's it's making people think some weird stuff because now there's people being like, shouldn't have let Chris Russell go either. Shouldn't have let Mike Smith go. We should have uh, we should have held on to these guys. Um, no, it's just the structure of this team sucks. Uh, at five on five, the defensive zone coverage sucks. Uh, there's just it, there seems to be just a lack of um, a lack of attention to detail more than anything. And in addition to that, besides Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, there's absolutely no offensive creativity in sight. And it's it's really, really, really concerning at this point. Um, I was kind of going on a bit of a tirade on Twitter uh, near the end of that game because it it's so clear what this team still needs and that is an offensive creator in the bottom six as well as a like actual top four defenseman because this this plan of playing Tyson Berry in the top four needs to fucking stop I have no idea why he's playing on the penalty kill I have no idea why he's he's getting as many minutes as he is like he is a luxury the Oilers do not need and it completely bewilders me that we are continuing this experiment. It just, it does not make sense to me. You have four and a half million dollars on your third pair to be this, like, offensive dynamo or something. And it's not like he's even that good at offense at offense and hockey. Like, the guy can make a pretty decent first pass. He's there on the power play because I think you just need a defenseman there but are we that are we that certain that he's going to be any different than I mean forget Evan Bouchard but do you really think he's going to be that much different than Darnell Nurse fuck I bet you anybody Cody Cece could probably do the exact same thing he's doing yeah this is a bad highlight package to be throwing that one on just simply because of the numbers he put up but I agree with you like it's uh, I'm I'm done. To, I don't want to talk about Tyson Berry anymore because he just lives rent free in our heads. Lives rent free in the one for one headquarters. Um, Nolan, is there anything else you'd like to say about this game against the Capitals, or do you want to move on to Tampa Bay? Let's move on to Tampa Bay. We, don't be so sad because the game, game against Tampa is is good shit. That's true. It's true. Like relatively. Yeah. It's true. Um, do you do you want me do you want me to take uh, do you want me to take care of this one? Go on, go on, okay. King. The Oilers turned to or flew into the land of Ron DeSantis, Tampa What's Bay, it Florida. What's the uh, game title? Tampa Slay. Was that a was that a good delivery? Perfect. Tactical. Thank you, Th- thank you so much. A three to W. We are back in the W column over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Quick turnaround as the boys get into Florida at about 3 a.m. after the game in Washington. Haven't won in Tampa since 2011. Is it 2011 or 2009? I thought it was. I thought, two, it, was a... I thought it was 2009 because Jeff Delorier was in net. Oh, Jeff. I thought it was 11, is what they said on the broadcast. But either way, it's been a fucking while. Do, and 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 fun fact, Miles. Do you know who was in net when the Oilers or when the Oilers last won in Tampa? Was it Michael Smith? It was Michael Smith for the Tampa Bay Lightning. A fresh young Michael Smith. Michael J. His hair was still too long. His uh, kid's hair was too long. His kid's hair probably wasn't even born. It was in the womb with the longest hair. Uh, <laughs> soups up. So a big chance for a rebound for him. Fogel. Warren Fogel. 
after this game got off to a horrendous start for the Oilers, I'm pretty sure the shot clock was to like nine to zero and Warren Fogle literally scored on the Oilers first shot of the game. Scoring his first of the year uh, with the Apple going to Ryan McLeod. one nothing, 7.45 into the game. I believe this was also a shorthanded goal. I think so. Yes. Um, he got, there was something, because that was his first goal of the year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Would you say he got an animal off of him? The monkey off of his chest. Yes, he did. Very it, good. Thank it, you. It, it was like one of those like like clapping monkeys with the fucking... With the symbols, with the symbols, score, score, score. Uh, Brandon Hagel then gets one back for the Bolts and not things up at one. Teams would go back and forth for the rest of the first period, uh, amassing 16 Tampa Bay Lightning shots to seven Oiler shots heading into the break. However, Connor McDavid would end the drought and score his 14th goal of the season early in the second on the power play from Nuge and Tyson Berry, 2 1. Edmonton Oilers. Two minutes and two seconds later, Leon Dreisaitl gets his own power play goal, his ninth of the year from Zyman and McDavidson to make it 3-1 Oilers. Oh, God, I don't want to talk about this. Uh, The teams would go back and forth until a very scary moment uh, involving Evander Kane unfolded. Yeah, so if if anybody hasn't seen this, you can search it up at your own risk, but basically uh, Patrick Maroon accidentally steps on Evander Kane's wrist resulting in a Halloween-style blood-squirting situation. Uh, Kane would then get immediate medical attention the following day. It was, well, following day being today, was announced that he would miss three to four months and end up on LTIR. Ouch. Um, our, I mean, I think it kind of goes without saying, uh, our thoughts go out to Evander Kane and his family as well. I can only imagine like how scary that is if you're, if you're his significant other or if you're one of his kids or something seeing that on TV, like it's, it's, it's a scary situation. It's very reminiscent of the Ilya Mikheyev injury from a few years ago. It also just, anytime you see blood on the ice, it just freaks me right out. I don't like seeing it. And the initial impact of the situation was really, really, really scary. Like, they were mentioning that, I guess, like, Evander Kane got off the ice and he immediately ran down the tunnel and started yelling, help, 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 because the blood was coming out at such a rapid rate. So, obviously, our thoughts are with that are, are with him and his family, and uh, we, hope for, we hope for a nice turnaround, because especially wrist injuries, your goal scorer, like that's going to take a little while to get used to. So he should just take as much time as he needs and, and, and kind of get back to normal. Um, Alex Kalorn would score one for Tampa 49 seconds into the third period, but the Oilers would ultimately fend off the lightning chances, including a disallowed late third period, no goal shout out Jeremy Kupel for the challenge and secure the three, two, one win in enemy territory. Uh, shots ended up 37 29 for Tampa, who also dominated the dot 55%. The Bolts were 0 for 5 on the PP, while the Oilers took care of business at a 2 to 4 clip. Uh, McDanielson took first star with his with his two point game. Uh, Braden B point, not one of the Pointer brothers, took second star, and Sir Jackery Campbell took home third star with his 35 same performance. Welcome back, Soupson. Soups and soups on. So I think that this is just a really funny dichotomy of like what the Oilers are as you compare that back to back game against the Capitals 
um, and this game against the against the Lightning because um, you're coming in facing the Capitals, a team where everybody's hurt, and you shit the bed, effectively shit the bed, and have a fucking piss poor performance, and then you come in at 3 a.m. flying into Tampa, exhausted. Uh, wake up the next day and play a game against a really good team, a really veteran-led team, and wipe them out on the power play and beat them. Don't necessarily outplay them, but you know, win a game in the face of adversity. So I think that it's just very, very interesting that you get this Jekyll and Hyde performance from the Oilers uh, throughout the beginning of the season, throughout the first, first 14 games of the season where they look like Stanley Cup contenders one week, and then they follow that up with just ass performances. So it's funny. I just think it's funny that. Yeah, it, it's. I, I I wouldn't say to be completely honest. I wouldn't say I was hugely impressed by this game. I know that a lot of people were really excited about the whole fact that they they kind of battled through the entire way. Um, but Tampa still like severely outplayed them for pretty large portions of this game. Um, I'm just happy that Jack Campbell was able to find his mojo in this game. I think that's what that's what's needed more than anything is you need to establish a winning formula for Jack Campbell and to allow him to feel more comfortable. Um, by the way, Oilers media need to stop already with the whole Grant Fear thing because it's actually getting grading at this point. I've watched every Oilers game thus far. And over the past probably week and a half, since the Jack Campbell numbers have not been exceptional, I've been seeing a lot of Grant Fear comparisons still. And stop comparing them, because they're two different eras of hockey. I bet you any money if Grant Fear was in the modern-day era NHL, he'd be more like Andre Vasilevsky more than anything. Not freaking, uh, uh, I don't know, who's a, who's a very mid-goaltender right now? Uh, I don't know. Jack Thomas- Thomas Grice. Oh yeah, well, I guess I guess Jack Campbell. I shouldn't I shouldn't compare Grant Fear to Thomas Grice. That's a tough beat. <laughs> tough beat for Grant Fear. Um but yeah, it, it's um I would I would say though it, it is a it is a it is a character win. Um these guys bounce back from a t- from watching a teammate go down and that probably sparked the boys quite a bit. So good to see a win is a win. That's all I care about. Amen to that. But definitely some bigger fish to fry now, Nolan, as they move into life without Evander Kane for the next three to four months. Let's move into some Oilers shit, shall we? Sounds good. So, shall we? Uh, so, Nolan, I guess the major question that uh, this team faces is now who is going to fill in for Evander Kane, uh, not only on that first line five on five, but also on that power play one spot. The obvious candidates to me seem to be hey, Sapuri Arby, Yamamoto, or Dylan Holloway. Of those three, who do you think it should be? Who do you think it will be? Or is there a dark horse? Oh, Nickelback Dark Horse. It's a really good album. Uh, well, po- Power Play One's going to go to Zach Hyman because it's already like Hyman and Evander Kane kind of flip flop those roles on the net front in the Power Play. So there's that. Man. <sighs> I was ready to come in guns blazing uh, last night about Kyler Yamamoto. And I think that we should actually have a Kyler Yamamoto discussion. I'm super not impressed with his performance thus far into the season. And for a guy that's been gifted top six minutes so far, I'm just, I'm very, very, very flaccid on (laughs) 
Kyler Yamamoto right now. It's just, I just don't think he's providing anything. I think no, we, he provides a little bit of forecheck from time to time, but that's about it. We, we talked about it a couple episodes ago about how the Oilers media likes to get on Yesipuliarvi so much about his lack of efficiency in top six minutes or how he can't do anything with McDavid. But for the past year and a half, minus like four weeks, Yamamoto has been in the exact same boat, but somehow gets a pass. And I'm not sure why, and I'm not sure that it that, that it's time that we keep letting that slide. Like there, there needs to be a little bit more accountability with Yamamoto because he's what he got his bridge deal this offseason, correct? Or last offseason? He's been getting bridge deals for basically his entire career. Um, right. So, yeah, like he's making three million bucks this year. And I can't, I think he's on a one year deal. Right. So this is a season where he's really got to show up. This is a season where he's really got to perform because there's a number of young guys on this Bakersfield roster and Oilers roster that are gunning for those minutes. So he better ship up or shape out. Uh, Sorry, he signed a two year deal this year. Yeah, it's just he just doesn't provide anything like obviously he is snake bitten. I will give him that like he is he can't score right now. And he's one of the streakiest scorers I've ever seen in my life because oh boy, he can go like 20 games without scoring. And then he goes on this bender for like two and a half weeks where he scores like 15 goals in eight games or some shit. So, because that's basically how last season worked out, was he scored 20 goals last season. But you have to remember, a good portion of those goals came over a smaller lifespan. I mean, you could probably go back and take a look at at some of his numbers, and that'll show you is, I want to say in like February or March, that was when he was scoring basically every game. And then other than that, every every other year, or sorry, um, every other game in the season, there was a whole lot of nothing. And... Jay Woodcroft kind of had enough of him uh, in the game against Washington. Like he only played him six forty nine in the game. Like he he was benched. And sorry, like if we want to have a Stanley Cup winning formula on this team, there can be no favorites, and you have to establish um, you have to establish accountability on this team. Speaking of which, did you notice uh, who was on the bench for the final minute of the Lightning game? Like. 16 guys who are you speaking of specifically darnell nurse oh really yeah uh so they actually a friend of the show zach lang posted a screenshot of when uh tampa bay had their net empty and they panned to the bench and darnell nurse was on the bench and he was pissed <laughs> because uh. they didn't they didn't trust him in the final minute situation uh but they trusted uh, a little somebody named yes Puliarvi out there which is pretty cool but yeah, I I've, I am totally into that. I'm really happy to see that from Jay Woodcroft. If you're, it doesn't matter how much money you make on this team. It doesn't matter the letter on your chest. You have to be held accountable for your actions. If you're having a bad game, then you're going to be pulled off the ice. And like I said with Kyler Yamamoto, like there there has to be something. There 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 just has to be. You you can't you can't continuously sit back on the fact that. You provide a little bit of energy on the forecheck. Like there has to be something. And this we'll get into because I think for our next point, I've I've got my overall like I guess concerns and thoughts about this team. Um, who who would you like to see filling? Uh, to answer your question though, I, I I kind of I kind of buried the lead, but uh, 
to answer your question, I think we're kind of already seeing, I think, yes, the Pulley is most likely going to stay in the top six for the foreseeable future. And I'd like to see Dylan Holloway moved into that second line left wing spot with Leon Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman. Yeah, fair enough. I'm agreeing. I agree with you that I think JP should be up there, but I would also maybe like to see Dylan Holloway thrown up onto that line too, especially because the Oilers were called uh, recent acquisition, Clem Costin and Matthias Janmark from Bakersfield uh, to fill in for this injury uh, in the forward group. So it'll be interesting to see how these forward lines shake out, um, who has chemistry with whomst and what they decide to do because that third line for the Oilers has been very good, but obviously there needs to be some changes made to it to fill up uh, up and down the lineup. So I'm excited to see how these guys fill in. I am ex- very, I hate to use the word too many times, but excited to see how Yanmark gels in here or what he's capable of doing, what kind of role he plays. I don't know if he's going to be that uh, creativity driver like we were talking about earlier that we need, but man, I, I am excited to see what he's able to do after uh, a veteran player had, you know, the the shot to the heart to have to go down to the AHL. It might be a wake-up call for him. He might have, have some legs ready to move and, and surprise a few people. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to finally see Matthias Yadmark on, on this squad. I, I mean, at the end of the day, he's an NHL player, and that's the most important thing is, like, this guy can come into a lineup and he can contribute. I'm curious to see what he can do on the PK um, because we all know that the PK could use a little bit of help. Uh, I'm also just kind of excited to see if they end up using that scratch card that is Clem Costin. Because this is a player that's had a ton of hype behind him for a number of years. Um, obviously, he was a he was a killer at the World Juniors. Big, fast, skates really well. Um, has a little bit of that offensive touch to him. You never know. This could be the beginning of something, or it could just be a flash in the pan. You you, you never know. But um, I noticed that you mentioned here if it was like a missed opportunity for not trying uh, Xavier Borgo or Raphael Lavoie. I think I think with Xavier Borgo, he's still in his rookie season in the AHL. Let him marinate, and if he continues to play really well, like he already is, um, from there's a actually a Twitter account, um, B Sherlock. Uh, sorry if I freak this up, uh, Bruce Sherlock. I I I may be screwing up his last name, so I'm I'm really sorry, Bruce. But I know this first name's Bruce. Uh, he's been on Twitter, and he basically covers almost every uh almost every Bakersfield Condors game, and he does like little write ups on all of them, which is really convenient. So if you're interested in prospect write ups or seeing how a lot of these guys are coming along, um, he's consistently mentioned from game to game. Xavier Borgo is a player to watch and a real highlight. Uh, He's playing in all situations down in Bakersfield, playing five on five, power power play one, and PK time as well. So they're really rounding out his game incredibly well down there. And I think it's probably if if he continues the pace that he's on right now, and he continues to be a well rounded, offensively creative player, it's only a matter of time before he gets called up. So I'm not I'm not too too worried about that. But in this moment right now. It's still so early in the season. Let him marinate. Let him find his. Let him find his game, and then when he comes up, he is a sure thing, and he's not ready to be sent down. Fair enough. Um. Okay. I just wanted so. Yeah. Depth scoring, secondary scoring. I've been getting a little 
a little I know I use the term concerned a lot and I think that I think that there's probably something that I need to go to therapy for with my constant worrying about things because the Oilers have a very large part in this is like I I firmly believe that in a forward core on a team what you need are two things you need creators and finishers and I feel like most teams in the NHL have both of these things in an abundance and the third thing you need is you need like mesh guys like gel guys that work on those lines and do all of the other things correctly and I think that the Oilers have they have two elite guys that are both elite creators and finishers in Leon and Connor you have a finisher in Evander Kane you have a create a, a guy that I would consider a creator in Zach Hyman even though he's a really he's like the elite of the elite in a mesh player, like a guy that you can just fit into any line and he works out really well. But there's so many like passengers and utility guys in this team. And it's kind of driving me insane because once you get past those first two lines, there's no offensive creativity in the bottom six. Like, Ryan McLeod shows his flashes. I know that we 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 obviously, for lack of a better term, jerked him off a couple weeks ago. Um <laughs> But then you get down to the pumped bottom. Pumped his tires. Okay, okay, fine. Pumped his tires. But I think jerking off is a lot more fun. I, you know, I just want to, you know, just have a little fun here, you know? A little goof, a little gag. Um, but then you get down to that, that, that bottom line, and it's just horrendous. And I understand that fourth lines are not supposed to be your offensive uh your offensive hubris if you will i don't know if hubris is the correct term i'm probably wrong in that sorry uh, but i'm just very annoyed because i feel like all of these teams have so many really talented players in their bottom six and if leon and connor are not scoring then the rest of this team isn't scoring and i know that warren fogel scored last night but it's really, really, really concerning, and it's the reason why I think if there is a trade to be made, getting a pure goal scorer or a pure offensive initiator would be like right up there on the priority list among the top four defensemen. To quote Drake and Lil Baby, it all comes down to wants and needs. But I think and, they need that. No, so, so it, here's what I'm saying, though. I think that there is a bigger need on this team, and it's on the back end. I would agree with that. But so I think that this I, I be- is... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's hard to say, because if, if 14 games has showed us anything, it's that this team has some holes. And it's not anything that we didn't know about going into the season. I mean, I, anybody that follows this team or follows the show knows what we thought about this decor heading into the season, uh, as well as this forward group. Obviously, it looked like there was a lot of depth, but it's about how these guys are playing together, how they, you know, for lack of a better term, fit together with one another. So this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, the current situation that the Oilers are in, but obviously needs to be addressed. That being said, they're up pretty hard against Herd against the the cap wall. So I think that if Ken Holland is going to do anything, I I think it needs to be on the back end. I I believe that they can get by with what they've got forwards wise, and especially with some of these changes that are going to be made for the for the Evander Kane 
uh, injury. And don't get me wrong. This team is a lot better when they've got Evander Kane on the lineup. That's not what I'm saying. But there might be a rainbow at the end of this one where we're finding a new pairing or the emergence of a, of a new role player in that bottom six to maybe address that situation. But I don't see... So I, too long, don't read. I think that they can address the situation with the forwards in-house but they are going to need to outsource to fix that D situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I completely agree. I like, they just need a, a bona fide top four defenseman, like really badly, really, <laughs> really, really badly major um, because this team is like, we're a couple injuries away from playing both Marcus Nima Linen and Ryan Murray in this lineup. And that's not that's not fun. I don't think that's fun for anybody. Um, a guy that has actually been playing really well down in Bakersfield, Michael Kesselring. I would love to see him get a look up here, but I unless we have a Tyson Berry injury or well, you'd have to have multiple injuries on the back end. Knock on wood, we do not want that. But you would have to have multiple injuries on the back end in order for us to even get a sniff of Michael Kesselring. But someone to definitely watch out for. And yeah, I'm. I'm just hoping one of these teams that has really good defensemen is really bad this season, and then we can maybe look at that and maybe take our pick of the litter. <laughs> a little, a little sprinkle of of swag, perhaps. Uh, Nolan, I did a calculation, and that based on 14 games played, we are about six percent into the season. So, as worried as I am, as nervous as I am, I'm not that scared because I do think that uh, the NHL as a league is quite good at um getting back to the to the average and teams um, finally getting back to their to their where they should be the 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 nature of things so what were are you, you saying are you are you basing that 14 games off of an 82 game season am i i don't know how bad's my math what did i get to <laughs> it's 17 percent. i'm not that far off <laughs> I you mean, know those about about 11 <laughs> You know those math tests where it's or those memes where it's like when everybody's outside of the room talking about their ma- the math test and whether they got seventy two or seventy three and you got a hundred and four <laughs> and you're like fuck that was me that was me from kindergarten all the way through university so am I surprised no I was am the, I I was the am asshole I, that shamed you afterwards am I ha- am I happy no but, are you wearing uh, a hat you are I am I'm wearing a toque. A winter knit cap as it is cold in the prairies today. I find I find it funny that Americans think like don't know the term toque. Americans are so fucking stupid. Sorry to any American <laughs> listeners that we may have, but so your words don't make sense. I know a lot of Canadian words don't make sense, but Americans lack our verbiage. Dude, common Sas- verbiage. Sask people love the term bunny hug. I don't okay, I this is not popular, but I think bunny hug is stupid. I don't like bunny hug either. I not a bunny say, hug guy. I always it, say I always say either hoodie or sweater. It's a hoodie. It's a hoodie. It'd be fucking normal Saskatchewan. And I oh. hate I it's it's the the heavy sask folk that are always like, um I'm gonna buy this shirt at the co-op because it says bunny hug on it. <laughs> like have you ever been to Cypress Hills? It's fucking sick. And it's always that kind of person that's like bunny hug babies. So 
like just when I see that, I get a little cringy and I'm kind of like, yeah, don't do it. Maybe shut it down, fella. Definitely, definitely lives out of like designer labels store in Vic Square Mall. Oh, man. Uh, con- considers 22 Fresh designer. No free ads. Sorry, 22 Fresh. <laughs> 22 Fresh catching strays today. <laughs> don't get caught. Speaking of getting caught, Nolan, can we move into this some NHL shit? As long as you plant a tree for every take you have. Plant a tree for every take I have. Fuck you. Um, this one we'll not have to plant a tree for because nothing about this is hot. This is all Oh my god. This what is a all some hard right turn. Hard right turn. Um Mitchell Miller Boston Bruins fiasco, Nolan. This was big news. Fuck. If you haven't heard about this. Crawl out from underneath of the rock you've been living under because this has been all over the internet uh, for about the past week. So for those of you who are not familiar with who Mitchell Miller is, he was drafted by the Arizona. He's almost not even worth talking about because he fucking sucks. Certified scumbag was drafted like third round or something like that by the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, he was a he was a pretty high flying uh offensive defenseman prospect, but there was a lot of uh there was a lot of talk about whether like the reason why he was falling on draft boards is because he had a bad attitude and also a history of bullying in the past. Which was cemented in the emerging story of some absolutely horrible things he did to a classmate um, when he was about 14 years old, uh, which ultimately got his contract with the Arizona Coyotes terminated. Last I heard, he was playing in Russia, and I was like, good riddance, see you later, dickhead. But then one day we wake up and we see that the Boston Bruins have signed this guy to a deal, essentially, to have him uh, on an, was an entry-level contract. Yeah, it, it, it was, uh, yeah, I believe it was an entry-level contract. So the Bruins decide that they're going to drag this guy out of the mud and that he's served his time and that he is going to be an NHL player because there's something there apparently. So this news comes out and immediately everybody in the hockey world is like, what the fuck? And this is not just everybody in the hockey world. This included um, Bruins players and Bruins staff saying like, hey, we weren't consulted on this and we do not like what you're doing, Don Sweeney. And he put a lot of Bruins players in really uncomfortable positions. So shout out to Patrice Bergeron. Shout out to the leadership core of that team because they all handled it, I think, about as well as they could have where they were put in a really shitty situation, not only as like faces of the team, but also as human beings and kind of had to say as... um politically as they could like i don't like this but i don't want to throw my team under the bus and we're saying all of their opinions like i hate this without immediately saying you could you could tell like as a as a person through compassion that they were in between a rock and a hard place um having a really really difficult time being team first guys without uh, you know being able to outwardly say fuck this guy First and foremost, I'd like to say that the Boston Bruins sending out Patrice Bergeron to do that interview with Elliot Friedman, I don't care whether or not Elliot Friedman was interviewing Patrice Bergeron because they were in Toronto playing against Toronto that night and was just more convenient for uh, for Bergeron to be interviewed by Friedman in that situation. The fact that he had to answer those questions 
hours after the Mitchell Miller signing is horrible, and it just throws your star captain under the bus. The the level of stupidity exuded by the front office of the Boston Bruins in this whole entire situation is embarrassing on all levels. It is embarrassing to the sport of hockey. It's embarrassing to the NHL. It's embarrassing to everybody all involved. Um, from everything that they were saying, trying to save face earlier in the in this whole fiasco was like, oh, we we did our due diligence. We know the the we know the type of man, the type of player that we're getting, and then they hadn't even consulted the victim's mother. Um, and and I'd actually like to read something if you don't mind, Miles, because uh, the victim Isaiah Meyer Carruthers did release his statement today. So I just I. I know that this might take a little bit. I just I just want to read this to everybody who hasn't heard this because th- from a first-hand account from Isaiah Myers Carruther, you can get the idea of what Mitchell Miller has done and the reason why this guy should never be able to step foot on a on a on a out or on an inch of professional ice skating ice in his in his life. As long as and it, you know what if we're going to if we're going to get into the the whole semantics of second chances and whether or not guys deserve second chances, I, I completely agree with you. But when you show little to no remorse, and Isaiah does mention that in this statement. So let me read this. Uh, this was released on behalf of the Hockey Diversity Alliance. So basically he sent this into them and they posted it on their Twitter account. I am Isaiah Meyer Carruthers. Uh, I would like to make a statement. I've been bullied since I was in first grade. There were not many black kids at my school. I was called Brownie and an N-word. Kids said my black mom and dad didn't love me. That's why I had white parents. Mitchell used to, a- used to ask me to sit with him on the bus, and then he and his friends would punch me in the head. This happened my whole time in school. When I went to junior high, Mitchell would spit in my face and call me an N-word. I stopped telling because they called me a snitch and I would get made fun of. I had to say I was his N-word to sit at his table, and he made and he made me clean the whole table. He threw food in my face. I was called N-word every day. The office would tell me to stay away from him because he wasn't my friend. Once he got expelled from school, his friends started bullying me. He pretended to be my friend and made me do things that I didn't want to. In junior high, I got beat up by him. Everyone thought he was cool, but I don't see how someone can be cool when you pick on somebody and bully someone your entire life. Middle of October, I was being texted constantly every day until I answered a Snapchat and IG message from Mitchell Miller. He asked me why I always have my parents doing stuff for me and why I can't speak for myself. I told him I don't care what my parents say if I'm old enough to speak for myself. He told me he was sorry and that the apology didn't involve hockey. By the way, we should mention that Mitchell Miller did apologize to Isaiah Myers Car- or Meyer Carruthers, but it was a court-ordered apology in which the the judge even said to him i don't believe that you are sincere i believe that you are doing this so that you make this all go away um i told him i didn't i don't care or uh he told me he was sorry uh, sorry and that that the apology didn't involve hockey he told me he was doing stuff in the community and helping the youth and wanted to be my friend i told him that's cool but where is the proof though he didn't give any proof all the lies I've been told him for so many years, I don't believe what Mitchell told me. He kept asking to be my friend and he that he has changed over the years from what he did. I told him, I'm not just going to be your friend after all you did to me. I am now getting messages on social media from people calling me a slow, retarded ass clown. You stupid N-word saying that I need help. 
Mitchell isn't my friend. It hurts my heart what he did to me. So I just wanted to tell everyone, when Mitchell says we're friends, it isn't true. I can't take more of this. By the way, um, the R-word comment, by the way, uh, that is in reference to the fact that uh, Isaiah Meyer Crothers also does have a developmental disability. So um, not only was Mitchell Miller doing this to a classmate, um, exuding racist uh, bullying bullshit, but also picking on somebody that is disabled in their own right. It's just disgusting on all accounts. It's horrible on all accounts. Mitchell Miller should be ashamed. The Boston Bruins should be ashamed. The NHL luckily saved face a little bit and said that he's not allowed to play in this league. So you guys can sign him to a contract all you want, but he's not playing in our league. And I would like to say um, I listened to a few different podcasts before we, uh, you know, before I wanted to touch on this. And there were a few different shows I listened to, but um, I know that they're, they're like the biggest hockey podcast out there. But the Spit and Chicklets take on this whole thing just fucking floored me. I could not believe the the like victim blaming aspect of this whole thing of like there's two sides to a story. Fuck that, man. Like this guy was court like this guy was charged in court for a reason. Like he did this shit and he had an accomplice and you know what? Isaiah forgave that guy because he was genuine about it and actually showed remorse. This kid does not deserve to play in the NHL. He does not deserve to play professional hockey anywhere. Sorry for going on but like Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean the proof's in the pudding. Anytime like dude you got expelled for bullying. There's I think obviously a big issue in schools with kids bullying. Like if you haven't been bullied, you're probably lying. I think everybody's been exposed to that at some point or another, but the severity of it for somebody to be expelled from school and hearing the stories, hearing the impact that 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 had on the victim, like we're not talking about just, you know, rapscallion behavior on the playground. Like this kid was malicious in how he acted. So you can only evil. Evil. evil you can only imagine the type of person he is um playing professional sports is a privilege and it's a privilege that you have to gain through years of hard work and training and determination and this kid doesn't deserve that privilege because of the actions that he's had you're supposed to be a role model for young kids growing up i don't think that the nhl um save face a little bit i think they save face a lot i think gary bettman and the leadership core of the nhl handled this exactly how they should have given the situation that unfolded around them so rare bettman w w to everybody except for basically don sweeney can i can i just say one thing to to mitch to about mitchell miller though is like you realize that it's literally so easy that he could he could have made things better he could have put himself back into the into the NHL or sorry back into professional hockey it was the fucking easiest thing all he had to do was just say he was sorry and show some initiative show a few receipts saying that you're not a dirtbag it's really not hard no it's pretty cut and clear that he's not a good person that he's a piece of shit so it says says all that you need to there Mitchell Miller sucks Bruins um kind of silly but uh you're still wagoning along so i think that's more than enough negativity on that subject we can move into the rest of our nhl shit um also not sick krill kaprizov slash drew Doughty in the face and uh 
recent first overall pick, Yuri Slavkovsky, CFB'd a Red Wing into next year and broke his face. These guys are wild animals and will both certainly, we're both ejected from the game, and will certainly be facing supplemental discipline for those actions. Uh, New Jersey, we talked about them before. They are certified fucking wagon status. They are 10-3 and three with the Islanders, Canes, and Flyers occupying the rest of the Metro playoff spots. Uh, life is truly wild. I think at the start of the year, if you told me that those were going to be the four teams representing that division, I would have called you a fool. And there are receipts on our Instagram page <laughs> proving that we would have called you a fool. Uh, lots of hockey left to be played, folks. Moving on to the Atlantic Division, Boston leads the Atlantic Division despite having to call on the cavalry of the Bettman administration to fix a Sweeney fuck-up. They lead the division with the Yeiser Plan, Leafs, and Lightning taking the remaining would-be-today playoff spots. In the Central Division, the surging... That was a jet. Jets lead the division at 8-3-1, and one, having a sneaky good start to the season. The Dallas Cowboys are just behind them, and Colorado sits in the third. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> what did I say? Dallas Stars sit just behind them uh, with Colorado in third. Now, you may be wondering, Miles, that's only three teams from that division. Shouldn't there be four? Well, idiot, you forgot about the wild card. And we move into the Pacific, where the Vegas Golden Daddies are 12-2 and two and continue to be weapons of ass destruction. Seattle, Los Angeles. Edmonton and Calgary would also qualify for the playoffs if they started today. So both wild card spots, if the playoffs started today, would be held by Pacific Division teams, both Canadian teams. That's funny. That's kind of cool. That's good stuff. Uh, and as Nolan alluded to, my math was incorrect. This would be about 17% of the season played. So still lots of hockey to be played. The league is truly up for grabs at this point in the season, and it has been a lot of fun so far to watch. I've certainly been enjoying it. But Nolan, we are forgetting one major piece of news in the hockey world that has had everything from late night TV to Twitter bots to Facebook moms talking about the NHL, and that is one Ryan Reynolds, hot guy and NHL owner possibly yeah he's uh he's current he's i guess headlining uh the group that looks like is going to be in the mix for purchasing the Ottawa Senators which um that's pretty cool um i'm not the the, the biggest Ron Reynolds fan um i think that he's kind of an kind of annoying as an actor right now it's uh i, I don't know don't get me wrong i i will still watch the first Deadpool and kind of enjoy it, but like the act is kind of getting old <laughs> after a while. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, like if it means that they'll stay in Ottawa and as long as they've got a good group behind that and that, that keeps them at LeBreton flats and allows that team to stay in that city. And for those fans to get to continue to enjoy that team, I'm all for it. And that's, uh, that's really cool that, that a very famous actor is looking at buying it or, you know, headlining a minority ownership in an NHL team. Really cool to see. Really cool to see. And if you're not familiar with Ryan Reynolds' um, ownership activities, him and Rob McElhaney bought a, like, Division Four oh, soccer yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they have a really cool show on Netflix kind of uh, outlining what Rob and, and Ryan did to this franchise to drum up support and um, increase ticket revenue and just make the team 
more sustainable and a better draw. So clearly this guy isn't just a hot dude, hot actor. He's smart. So to see him taking an interest in the NHL, he's not only like he's a Canadian. Um, so very cool that he would be a potential owner of a Canadian hockey team. And honestly, man, Ottawa needs all the help that they can get oh, yeah. uh, from an ownership perspective. And it's about time that they have a good charismatic group of people. So uh, would really like to see Ottawa be successful. Would really like to see Ryan Reynolds be successful. And if that means Taylor Swift becomes a Sens fan because she's good friends with him and Blake Lively, then also like rare NHL dub. So and that would be really, like, really cool. Give Miles a call, Taylor. Yeah, yeah really I am, appreciate it. I am. I'm awake. Um, uh, Oilers would have to change their uh, goal song from Blur to Red. You mean the Senators? What did I say? You said the Oilers. I only care about one team. The Senators <laughs> would have to change their goal song from Blur to Red. And when it, and when a team scores against them, they play all too well. <laughs> the yeah. whole 10 minute version no they 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 play the they play the uh um you the what the what the fuck is the line again the uh you call me up again just to break me like a promise yeah it, it's <laughs> so casually cool in the name of being honest oh god what a heartbreaker um can i just quickly mention miles by the way uh speaking of senators and the former senators i know i that could have been a really awesome turn into like the u.s senate uh uh fucking election going on right now the midterms um but uh Former Senator Eric Carlson, I believe we've mentioned him already a few times. Have you seen um, what he's done so far? Like, actually, like, looked at his numbers? We jerked him off last week, Nolan. But but did you see, but have you actually looked at his numbers? 15 points? That was last week, so he's obviously improved. I know so you're going to tell me, so, so you got, might as well. So he's got 19 points in 14 games. That's hot. Do you know how many goals he has? I'm going to say 11. He's got 10, which he had 10 all of last season. He's back. I hope so, man. If if this is like if this is real, if we got Eric Carlson back, oh my god. Oh my god. I love Eric Carlson so 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 much. And if this means that we've got that absolute king back, that absolute horse, I'm so into it. You know what, Nolan? I would almost um, raise King and raise Horse to one level higher and say that Prime Eric Carlson oh, was was a rock star. <laughs> Tremendous and, segue. And the term rock star, Nolan, gets thrown around a lot these days. So when we find an instance of someone being a rock star, we really like to highlight them. And that's why this week, Nolan, I have selected this week's rock star of the week. You know what the sad part is, Nolan? What's that? Is that because of how unbelievable this man is? And I'm saying man because he is a dude in this situation, identifies as one. Um, he didn't even give up his name after doing something as momentous as what I'm about to tell you. So have you heard about the guy in New York, I believe, who built a sarcophagus out of concrete a 3,000 pound sarcophagus and put um, hot flaming hot Cheetos in it and buried it in the ground for 10,000 years. I did not see that. <laughs> so, this fella built a sarcophagus, made his own concrete, 
did the entire process, hollowed it out, um, made a slab, a solid concrete slab um, to house a single bodega bag of flaming Hot Cheetos, uh, which he is encased and suspended through wire in his sarcophagus. So that <laughs> looking at pictures right now. <laughs> so that if there is an earthquake or a tremor, the Cheetos won't break. They'll be suspended and able to just kind of <laughs> flutter inside. So that's pretty oh. sweet, right? But he gold-plated the ingredients list for flaming Hot Cheetos on the cover of this slab, sealed it up, keeping the elements away from it, and buried it in the ground in the hopes that in 10,000 years, when our ancestors, our mole people, are going to find it, uh, uncover it, and learn a little bit about life in 2022, specifically about the flaming Hot snack. So, sir, who built the sarcophagus for flaming Hot Cheetos, you are one for ones. Rockstar of the week. Dudes will literally build a, sarco- a sarcophagus for a snack food rather than going to therapy. <laughs> like, there's so much effort that goes into did, what this guy did. It's crazy. Did you see uh, the guy that was on Twitter that was like the Philadelphia chicken man? He I ate did. 40, yeah. 40, 40 rotisserie chickens in 40 days. That guy's unbelievable. So, spoiler alert, I'm actually heading to Philadelphia on Friday. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I am. So I'm hoping that maybe we can run into rotisserie chicken guy and, and I can shake his greasy hands. I hope you run into Jason Kelsey. Dude, me too. I'm going to be wearing a Jason Kelsey jersey at the game. So really looking forward to that. But one thing I'm not looking forward to, Nolan, is that this very well could be the last episode of One for One uh, because there's a very high chance that I end up in a Philadelphia jail. Dude, live your life. Just, just be you. Just just be you, Queen. Thanks, man. You're welcome. I, I just I I only wish the best for you. I, I want you to just get obliterated. Maybe get in a fight with somebody. Because they're playing what the Washington C words? The commanders. Yeah, horrible. They should have just kept it as football team. What the hell's wrong with them? They should have. Um honestly. Yeah. But- I'm going to get should... called a slur by a smoking six-year-old because it's Philadelphia and you should just kind of know what you're getting into. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're definitely going to be called a slur. I don't know which slur, but you're going to be called something really, really mean. And I'm going to bring that word back to the pod to bully you. That's actually not funny. I don't I'd, like that. I'd, I'd appreciate not. <laughs> but... I'll do nothing, but I'll do nothing but support you, my king, in your home renos and in your hockey fandom. By the time you come back, I'll have a new kitchen. Yeah, I'm excited to see. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, next week, Nolan, the Oilers play continue that big East Coast road swing as they play Carolina tomorrow, Thursday, November 10th. They play the Matthew Kachuk Florida Panthers. November 12th. Really sad that Evander Kane's not going to be able to mix it up with that clown. Uh, and then they play the Los Angeles Kings at home November 16th. Three games, Nolan. How do you think they're going to do? Ice in their veins, baby. Let's go 3-0. and I love it. I'm saying 2-1 and uh, because I'm not ready to get hurt again. But uh, I like that we're both on the same page about rebounding and about strength. And I, I think that this Oilers team is going to surprise us this week and play well. So, uh, Nolan, 
Anything else you want to add before we close out the show? Make sure uh, everybody watch Love is Blind the entirety so then when we when we wrap it up next week uh, during our discussion that you guys can all be involved and we can have a really important chat about all the all the couples on the show. So please do yourself a favor and watch season three of Love is Blind. Uh, secondly, we haven't plugged our we haven't plugged the uh, the socials uh, in in a while. So uh, please follow us on Twitter at one for one pod and on Instagram at one underscore four underscore one pod, and uh, join the fun. It's 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 a lot of fun. And uh, also subscribe if you haven't. Please yeah. subscribe, subscribe to the show. I don't think I told people to subscribe in a while, so please do that. And it's um, all. It's also been a while since we've thrown one of these out, but drop a review. If you've been listening yeah. to the pod for a little while, we really, really, really appreciate yeah. it. The algorithm the- appreciates it. It helps us a lot when you when you rate and actually write a write-up. It uh, it helps bolster us in the pantheon of yeah, you can one even for, say, of, of podcasts. You can even say, Nolan, your takes suck, but here's five stars. Or Miles, Rockstar of the Week isn't really Rockstar, and everybody you pick is basically the same person. Stop pull, pushing your culture on us. So whatever, but just Miles. Give every them, give them every fire. every Rockstar of the Week is a Tim Robinson skit. <laughs> Dude, it is. Fuck, I never realized it's somebody that. that just takes something way too far. I like something, and I like you, and I like the Oilers, and I like doing this pod with you, Nolan. And this has been another fun time. Season 3, Episode 6 of the One for One Podcast. Home of hot takes and even hotter listeners. We've had a blast. We hope you did too. And as always, go Oilers go. Go Oilers go. Go Oilers go.